Tomaso. This morning we return to the meditative cultivation of loving-kindness. We'll follow, in principle, the classic teachings of the Buddha in this regard of just kind of expanding a field of loving-kindness in all directions, above and below, to all the sides. But of course, as always, we begin where we are, loving-kindness directed towards ourselves, and to, real, to bring real wisdom to the practice. I think it can be very helpful as one directs the attention inwards to arouse the yearning, the aspiration, and to imagine, actually, experiencing a quality of well-being that is not contingent, not dependent on being fortunate, on good things happening to us. Because even if you're a Buddha or a Jesus or Mahatma Gandhi or the Dalai Lama, whoever you may be, there are good days and bad days. That continues to happen. Even if you're a Buddha, there's still sometimes nice things happen, sometimes somebody tries to kill you. You know, that happened multiple times to the Buddha. After he's a Buddha, you might, you might think you would get a freebie after that. You're a Buddha, nobody wants to kill you now. You're awfully nice. You know. But people still get jealous, no matter what. Your presence can still somehow catalyze mental afflictions in other people, let alone just natural calamities, illness, and so forth. It happens to the best of people. And yet, these individuals, such as the Buddha, have this quality of flourishing, inconceivable flourishing, even in the face of what appears from outside to be even tremendous adversity. So when to envision that, to aspire for it, to envision it. And you can imagine, then where does that well-being come from? You can't just kind of conjure it up out of nothing. Of course, it comes from the substrate consciousness on a relative level, from our own Buddha nature, from an ultimate level. And so at the beginning of the practice, you may do that visualization. Obviously, go beyond the substrate. Why not just go right down to the ground, to this symbolic orb of light at your heart. And just imagine this light, a light of genuine happiness, true reality-based well-being, arising, emerging from your heart in the form of light, just filling your whole being. And let your imagination play. So that's where you start. But now, as we direct our attention to others, really wishing, in a way, wishing to be loving, you know, like one step prior to being actually loving, wishing to be loving. I wish I had more feeling arising. I wish I had more aspiration. I wish I could be really loving, because I'm not very loving. I wish I could be. <laughs> Even as holiness says, the Dalai Lama says, I don't have bodhicitta, but I have a real aspiration to have bodhicitta. So, how literally you want to take that is your business. <laughs> But it is a legitimate question, I think, to ask, you know, where is it coming from? Because in terms of our own sense, our own memory, our own way of editing who we are and our various capacities, we may feel, I'm not a very loving person, so I'm, I'll go through the motions, but really not much happens. Could happen. Some people may have such a self-evaluation. In which case, should that happen? That you really maybe not drawn them. Nobody's drawn to a practice they feel they're really terrible at and feel they don't have much capacity for. So you might have that sense with regards to loving kindness, that you're just kind of not one of those loving kindness kind of people. In which case, one possibility 
is to bring to mind as vividly, vividly as you can someone from whom you have experienced unconditional love. Someone who you feel not only really likes you a lot for your attractive qualities, your pleasing qualities and so forth, but if there's anyone in your life, it could be a guru, it could be Buddha himself. For those of you who have a strong connection with Samyidam, like Tara or Avalokiteshvara, whoever it may be, whoever for you most clearly embodies loving kindness. And from whom you've had that experience of being loved, then bring that individual to mind. It could be a living individual, it could be someone who has passed from history as the Buddha Shakyamuni, it could be more of an archetypal presence as Avagatara, Avalokiteshvara, Maitreya. But bringing to mind, bringing to mind their love their inconceivable capacity, presence of loving kindness. And as you breathe in, imagine receiving that. Like almost like going out and sunbathing. You know, there's the sun. Oh God, just take it all in. And just go out and bathe in the sunlight of the loving kindness. Of some being who really embodies that quality from your perspective. And receive it. Receive it. As you're breathing in, just receive it. Receive it. Receive it. And then more like just being given a great wealth by some extremely wealthy person and saying, oh, now I have such bounty. Now I can be generous too. So take it in as you breathe in. And then as you breathe out, say, okay, I may not have so much capacity. This guy, this 61-year-old guy, this 40-year-old guy, 35-year-old guy, whatever. I may not. But this being has, this being has tremendous tremendous wealth, bounty of loving kindness. So I'll receive as much as I can. And receiving it, then as I breathe out, then from that source, I will breathe out loving kindness. Then you may feel you're tapping into a much deeper well than the shallow, shallow well of your own psyche. Could take on much more depth. And after you've done that for a while, then you might consider and how is it that you sense this person, that you have this experience, this confidence, this person really, really does manifest very deep love, very deep kindness? How do you, how do you know that? Where is that sense? How do you know it? And of course, it's because you had that experience yourself, because you have that capacity. You can't imagine something for which you have no capacity. Right? So if you've experienced from a person like the Dalai Lama, or maybe your own personal guru, maybe the Dalai Lama is your personal guru, but if you've experienced just really quite breathtaking loving kindness from another person, well, you were able to experience it because you have the capacity for it yourself. And if you don't, you couldn't experience it. Right? So in a way then, when we visualize the guru, visualize the yidan, visualize, bring to mind the Buddha, and the loving-kindness of these enlightened beings. What we're bringing to mind is really nothing other than a display of our own pristine awareness. So it's not really somebody else's. So, let's practice.
as an expression of your own loving kindness, settle your body in its natural state and respiration in its natural rhythm. And gently, soothingly calm your mind with mindfulness of breathing.
then envision your own flourishing. A quality of well-being that can withstand even the strongest waves of adversity. quality of well-being stemming from a source beyond <clears throat> the vicissitudes of daily life, of life and death. And as you arouse that vision, with each outbreath, breathe life into this vision as you allow the light from your heart to fill your whole being. Or alternatively, you may imagine in the space in front of you someone who, for you, embodies more than anyone else such pure and unconditional loving-kindness. Gazing upon you with the deepest affection and with each in-breath imagine receiving the light flowing from this being's heart filling and suffusing your entire being. These two are, in fact, the same practice. The practice in the way that's most beneficial to you.
Then turn your awareness outwards, outwards into the space of the mind. Above and below and to all the sides. And set your mind free. If you would like to deliberately focus on one individual and another, one group of people or sentient beings and another, allow yourself to do so. With each in-breath, imagine drawing from this inner source at your heart, like drawing from a well, or from this being who is in front of you, this being who embodies loving kindness. With each in-breath, fill your whole being. With each out-breath, breathe out the breath, and the light of loving kindness. Whether you deliberately invoke certain individuals or you simply allow your mind to be free and see who comes knocking at your door. So continue practicing. If at any time you become a little bit disoriented, you lose your way, just come back for a few moments to mindfulness of breathing and get your bearings.
then release all appearances, all aspirations. And simply rest in that pure light of your own awareness. According to the Dzogchen view, the view of the great perfection, when it comes to the second noble truth, the source of suffering, it's summarized, as you may recall, in two short phrases. We suffer because we grasp onto that which is not I or mine as being I or mine. That's one phrase. And we fail to recognize who we really are. That's the second phrase. That's it. Nothing more to it than that. So we've all had plenty of experience with our own mental afflictions, selfishness, anger, resentment, arrogance, and so forth. We've also had plenty of experience with our own very limited virtues, seeing that we have some, but they're not exactly infinite. Those are true, those are true perceptions. Just as you can have a true perception within a non-lucid dream. Within a non-lucid dream, you could look over and say, oh, is that, is that Jan over there? Within the non-lucid dream? Yeah. Jan's over there as opposed to over here, or Jan not being present in your dream at all. So within the context of a non-lucid dream, that's a valid statement. Oh, there's Jan over there. True, as far as it goes, which isn't very far. But then if we concoct out of these very limited perceptions a sense of self that is all, how do you say, rooted in a very limited perception, shaping ourselves as a human being based upon our experience of our own mental afflictions and limited virtues and then draw from that conclusion well i've met some very loving i've met some very loving people but i'm not one of them then we're right back to that case of a person who 
wanders out into the Sahara, builds a cage, gets inside, locks the door, and throws away the key. Nobody else created that cage for you. And you might respond, well, actually, yes, they did. I've been told that I'm not very loving. I've been told I'm mean. I've been told I'm arrogant. I've been told I'm very selfish. Other people have told me that. I've heard it from more than one case. And so after a while, you know, figure maybe they got a point. But when other people identify you with your own mental afflictions, identify you with your limited virtues, all they're doing is speaking from inside their own cages. That's not a Buddhist perspective. Just their own limited perspective. And some of it may not even have any truth at all. Just their projections. So, once we recognize the cage that we've built for ourselves, and we really recognize we built it, nobody else built it. There we are in the middle of the Sahara, surrounded by bars. But when you see that, in fact, they're imaginary bars, as if we've cast a spell on ourselves, somehow hypnotized ourselves to think if you reach out to that bar, you won't be able to get out. And you actually believe it. Then you can't get out. And you're locked in that self-concept that you've created for yourself. But as soon as you see that however you conceive of yourself, you conceived of yourself, it consists of nothing more substantial than thought itself. As you can generate thoughts, so can you dissolve thoughts. And it strikes me it's imperative to dissolve the thoughts, these limited self-concepts, in order for your full capacity of loving-kindness to flow forth unimpededly. You have to become empty. Really totally empty. So... Once in a while, I think I speak words of truth, and I think I just did. Enjoy your day.